Good evening. Hymn number 532. Hymn number 532.
603 receiving the first, second, and last stanza. <clears throat> when we all get to heaven, let's stand together. Ushers, you can come on the last verse. <laughs> this offering, bless both the gift and the giver, and may be used to further your kingdom and your word. Be at the service and the business meeting to follow, Lord, and may everything that's said and done here honor and glorify your name. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
video here. Hello, Southern Baptist. At the midpoint of the bridge that I'm standing on now is the Venezuelan border. What you see are people flowing in and out of Venezuela, coming to Colombia, where they're able to get uh, food that is not available at home, uh, where they're able to get medical attention. Some are coming daily to attend school as the schools have been closed just across the border. We're thankful the Southern Baptists are here ministering to the needs of people who are really in a very desperate situation. Had the opportunity to visit with several people on this bridge, and we've heard some heartbreaking stories. A school teacher who's also a grandmother, her school is closed. She's walking her daughter, her granddaughter, across the bridge every day uh, to try to get some form of education for her. Uh, we've talked to a gentleman who's uh, pushing for 12 hours a day a wheelchair back and forth across this bridge to transport those who are unable to walk the length of the bridge on their own. Uh, people are heartbroken. Uh, they are traumatized from the situation that they're facing. But thankfully, we've been able to pray with some, share the love of Christ, also see the very practical needs that our missionaries and Baptist Global Response are meeting here. Thank you, Southern Baptists, for making this ministry to people who are hurting possible. Twenty years ago, Venezuela was the third in the Western Hemisphere, North and South America, the third most affluent nation behind the U.S. and Canada. It was way up there because... It had lots of oil 20, 25 years ago. Unfortunately, their country has fallen victim to socialism and really just military coups and its uh, lawlessness, extreme poverty, extreme um, crime, drugs, out of control, that country has fallen victim to. Venezuela has no food right now. Uh, and the folks are literally having to go into other countries. They're walking, as that video was sharing, walking into other countries to Colombia to get food to come back and feed their family. It's, it's just unbelievable what, uh, to see a country fall as far as Venezuela. That's a video there. Paul Chitwood, as you remember, was our former executive director of the KBC up until a few months ago, and now he's the IMB, our International Mission Board president. That's encouraging to see Southern Baptists are right there on the uh, Venezuela and Colombia border, ministering to the folks who have just nothing. It is it is an extreme crisis. Uh, one of the ways you can see how the Lord works is through th crisis such as that, uh, folks get saved. The gospel is shared because uh, there's lawlessness right now going on in Venezuela. So uh, that you can certainly get in there. There's no food to eat, but you can get in there and share the gospel. But that is a... Um, a video I wanted to share is uh, always be praying for our missionaries. We never want to forget about that, especially those working in any type of refugee or crisis areas such as that. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3. And then in a little bit, we're going to flip over our Bibles to Luke chapter 7 and look at three verses over there. Uh, uh, Luke wrote Acts, so we, you know, we finished up several months ago going through Luke, but there's uh, three verses back in Luke 7 that certainly tie in to what we're going to read here. We are going through the book of Acts on Sunday nights. The book of Acts, in many ways, studying through uh, different books of the Bible is a great way that you certainly know that, and this uh, provides that opportunity with that. We're going to see here about healing. Healing is something for us that, if you look at our prayer list on Wednesday night, 
Brother Hurd, 90% of the requests are for healing. That is very common to hear. You probably in your Sunday school class, you hear folks mention so-and-so is in need of a healing. Uh, yesterday in our deacons meeting, we have a, f- uh, a wonderful family in our church, David and Glenda Huff. Um, their son Stephen is battling leukemia in Houston. And we talked about hosting a benefit concert for him next month on Sunday night and using our Deacon Benevolent Fund, be hosted by the Deacon and flying David up here so he could give a, 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 an update on that. And I emailed April, their daughter, see if she would come and let us pray over her, doing, and then collect a special offering for the Huff family. It would be an outstanding event for us to do that. They're in desperate need of a healing. I spoke to da- update on that. I spoke to David about that yesterday on the phone, and he's talking to his family about it. But I, that would be a blessing for us, and we could invite the whole community one Sunday night, in fact, it'll be Sunday, August 18th. I hope this happens, that we do a benefit concert, have a special time of prayer, and a, a special offering for the Huff family. That would mean a lot to them. David's, one of, David's our moderator for our business meeting. He's one of our active deacons, a fine family, and he's been gone since early December. And he's, he's fighting for his son's life, a young, young man who's just been tragically hit with leukemia, cancer, and he's in dire needs of a healing from the Lord. So that's something we want to be praying for. And we're about to see that right here. All of a sudden, in the scriptures, we see one of the ministries and the messages of the gospel is that it heals. Jesus heals people. One of the reasons why Pentecostal churches grow, if you've ever been in a Pentecostal church, part of their invitation is not just an invitation to get saved. They close their service. Every service is, in many ways, a healing service. You come forward, and you come, and the men the, uh, come pray over you. You come, the, the altar's open for times of healing and a, a special touch from the Lord. So we're going to see here about that special touch. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. I want you to follow along here, Bible. I think it'll be up on the screen, screen as well. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. I want to explain, that's, I want to give you some background, why three in the afternoon, why is, is it twice a day during, in Jewish life, the priests would go make sacrifices. They would go at nine and three. So three would be a common time that you would go up because you knew the priests were going uh, back in the um, Holy of Holies there and, and make a sacrifice. So what's happening is most Jew, a lot of the Jewish men, they would naturally just go and pray at the temple if they were able to at 9 or 3 in the afternoon. It wasn't required, but it was just a day, part of maybe their daily routine. It'd be like a daily devotion, what they do. So they're there at a very popular time, and the 3 o'clock time was always more common than the, um, the 9 o'clock time. In Bible times, typically when you would go to work, you would start working at sun up. So you'd get to work at 6.30. By 7 a.m., it's booming. So usually people are... By 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, people are kind of clocking out. They're going home because they've been at work since 6 a.m. So you might maybe on your way home you would stop by the temple and you would have a time of prayer. So the 3 o'clock hour was maybe a busier hour. And then it says here in verse 2, A man who was lame from birth was being carried there. He was placed each day at the temple gate called Beautiful. And that was the largest and be the most well-traveled of the temple gates. So naturally... 
if you were needing money or you would need to see people or you wanted to be seen, where would you be? At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, this guy's either friends or family, so basically he, he was lame. He would lay there and he would beg. And he would ask for the folks. And obviously if folks are going to church, that might be a good place to catch them as they're coming in. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple, he asked for money. Peter, along with John, looked straight at him and said, Look at us. So he's, he's, he's asking for money. Do you know we encounter this every day? You go somewhere and someone asks you for money all the time. Uh, you, you, a gas station, uh, certainly anywhere downtown, I mean, a Walmart, part, wherever you're at, someone is going to ask for money from you. And that's what's going on here. So Peter and John, and, and I want you all to understand, this guy has been begging his whole life. So he's not even looking up. He just hears the footsteps. He sees a shadow. And, he doesn't, and he's at the point now, he doesn't even look up at people. He just shakes his can, trying to get their attention, saying, hey, don't, don't forget about me. So Peter and John say, look at us. As he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. So he looks up because there, somebody's talking to him, naturally. So he's thinking, all right, here we go. But Peter said in verse 6, I don't have silver or gold. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. A lot of us can relate to the first passage. I don't have silver or gold. Man, I don't have any money, but let me tell you what I do have. Say, I've got something better. I'm, I can't give you any money, but here you're going to get something that's much more. And I don't, I don't want to miss what... what what healed, G, what healed this young man. Look at what he said. In the name of Jesus Christ. It was the name of Jesus that the healing occurred. So he tells this guy, get up and walk. So he jumped up and started to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened for him. So the guy gets up after he gets healed. And he goes to church too. And he starts praising the Lord. So it's an exciting time for him. Now what's going to happen here is this is great in and Luke is setting up because this is going to cause a problem for Peter and John later on. This man getting healed is what the Pharisees are going to use against Peter and John's ministry. But they can't deny it because God healed him. So while he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran toward them in what is called Solomon's Colonnade. So that's just the outside of the temple. When Peter saw this, he, had, he addressed the people. So what happened here is Peter's looking at the opportunity that he has to share the gospel. He realizes, okay, now folks are astonished. They, they, don't, they don't miss that opportunity. Have you ever missed an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus? Have you ever missed an opportunity to invite someone to church? 
I went to uh, um, lunch today, and I was sitting next to Chris Lyons. And him and I were talking, because Chris Lyons, he passed the offering plate 1109. He worked that section, that whole section there. This is no joke. And I got to actually see the people at 1109, because they, they turned lights on a little bit, and I got to stand down there and look at folks. Do you know that entire section, Brother Heard? Not a single person goes to our church. They were all visitors. Every single one. I counted. We had 20 visitors at 1109. We had one out of five, or almost one out of four people at that second service were guests at this church. Now, some were traveling. They were on a camper, and they were headed up. They actually wanted to know about the Red River Gorge. They were just here sightseeing. They were touring America and wanted to go to church. But what happened was there was an incredible opportunity of telling whoever these people were over on this section. This is like visitor zone over here this morning about Jesus. And Chris saw him because he was the usher. You know, when you're an usher, you get to see, do I know you? That's one of the, you know, you get to speak to him when you're passing that offering plate. You get to acknowledge them. He was, he was sharing that. Chris was sharing that with me about how many visitors we're having at that second service. And I share this because that's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us. God brings people here. And I'm telling you, if we don't connect with them, if you don't speak to them, if you don't greet them, if they don't feel welcome, they will not come back. They won't. They're not returning. And that's what, that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, wow, all of a sudden he's got a crowd. So, wow, a lot of folks are standing around. Well, I think I'm going to stand up and share something about Jesus. And a, a wise believer you need to know your audience. When you see that, you, whether it's work or it's school or family members, if you see that someone has, you know, they're, they're there, that's an opportunity for you to share Christ. Or, or somehow work, work the gospel in there. So that's what Peter's doing here. So look what happens. Verse 12, Peter saw this, he addressed the people. Fellow Israelites, why are you amazed at this? Why do you stare at us as though we have made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied before Pilate. Though he had decided to release him, you denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer release you. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong. Don't miss that phrase. By faith in his name. Whose name? The name of Jesus. It was the name of Jesus has made this man strong whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. <coughs> If God heals Stephen Huff, and that young man lives through leukemia, it will be the name of Jesus. That is that young man's only hope. He's, he's struggling. When people are at the very end, and there's nothing else to do, you, you turn to Jesus. I'm not going to say the person's name, but about three or four years ago, it wasn't too long before I moved up here, I know someone that was diagnosed with a terminal, a doctor used terminal brain tumor that had spread, that was malignant, that was bad, bad. bad. They gave the man four to six months. I mean, he wasn't even, I mean, he just wasn't going to make it. 
he's still alive today. And it is. And he gives all the credit to Jesus Christ. That man should be dead according to doctors and according to science. He, does, he's on, he has no, how, how, no idea how long he's going to live, but he sat there and heard the doctor say, you have a brain tumor. And he had brain surgery. He went through chemotherapy. The whole church prayed for him. Folks prayed for him. I prayed for him. God healed him. And he's alive today. So I think for us, when we, when we hear stuff, stuff from the doctors that it's, it's going to be over, you don't have much time, go get your house in order, we have to remember God is the author and the ender of life. He holds our life in His hand. He knows when we will die. He knows when the end will come. And for that gentleman, his end had not come. And for this man here, who he just never walked in his life, crippled since birth, it was not, it was not his time yet. God healed him. It was the name of Jesus. Keep going here in your Bibles. Verse 17. And now, brothers and sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. In this way, God fulfilled what he had predicted through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Therefore, repent and turn back so your sins may be wiped out. So he's calling people to repent of their sins. That seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things. That's the second coming, which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers and sisters. You must listen to everything he tells you. And everyone who does not listen to the prophet will be completely cut off from the people. The prophet there is Jesus. In addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel to those after him have also foretold these days. You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant, Jesus, and sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. Now that ends that chapter there. What happened here? Peter saw he had an audience and he he preached the gospel and how he contextualized it to them as these were Jewish people he was preaching to. He knew they knew their Old Testament and he commanded them, told them, so all these Old Testament leaders that you love and you respect, you need to listen to them because they here have prophesied and wrote about Jesus and he is now fulfilling it. And he's the one that performed this miracle. Keep your finger here in Acts chapter 3. Flip over in your Bible to Luke chapter 7. Because Jesus, predict, Jesus declared, in his, in his, when as he was declaring what his mission was, in Luke chapter 7, verse 21 and 23, what he would be doing. This is what he did. This is talking also about John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist, at one of his lowest points, he was in prison. And he still has some disciples. And he sent these disciples from prison. And they were sent to ask Jesus. And they says, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? You know, John had a lot of doubts. Remember, John was Baptist was the one whom God said, the one that you see the dove descending upon. That's the Messiah. That's the Son of God. Well, he probably didn't realize that meant a few months later he'd be locked up. And he's in jail, and all he's hearing about is Jesus' ministry. He's flourishing. So he sends a message saying, 
Jesus, are, are you really the one? He's having a lot of doubts. This is the doubting John the Baptist here in prison. And what's amazing what Jesus does, while he's doubting, Jesus affirms him like, n- like never before. So when we bring our doubts to the Lord, when we're struggling, I'm going to tell you, the area of healing is when we doubt. A lot of us, when we pray for a healing, we in our heart, we don't always believe it's going to happen. We believe the doctors more than God. And I do the same. You just follow what the doctors say. But look what happened here. Verse 21. So he's asking this question. He said, are you the one or should we expect someone else? Luke 7, 21. At that time, Jesus healed many people of diseases, afflictions, and evil spirits. And he granted sight to many blind people. So he replied to them. So remember, Jesus doesn't answer questions like yes or no. Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. And that's what just happened right here. Acts 3. Those with leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. After John's messengers left, look at verse 24. He began to speak to the crowds about John. You know, this was one of the most affirming things Jesus did. At John's lowest point, when he was doubting Jesus, Jesus spoke most highly of John. John's messengers left in verse 24. He began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? This is when John was baptizing. And a lot of folks went out to the Jordan River to see John the Baptist. A reed swaying in the wind. Then what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes, meaning fine clothes. See, obviously he's saying they didn't go out there to look at bushes. And they didn't go out there to look at someone with some, a great suit on. He's saying, no, it wasn't, that's not what you went out there. See, those who are splendidly dressed and live in luxury or in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? Like, why did you go out there in the middle of nowhere to see that man? What, what brought you to the Jordan River in the wilderness to see John the Baptist? What inside of you would feel like you need to go see him? What brought all these people this morning on this side of the sanctuary to come to this church? Think about this, what I'm asking. Why do people come here? Why are you here? Why do we follow Jesus? What what encourages someone who's on a a camper vacation with their little trailer and they stop on a Sunday and think, you know, I need to go to church. I'm here here in Lexington. I need to go and worship. What What causes that? That's what he's asking. I mean, it's such a fundamental question. And look what he he answers. Jesus answered his own question. He says, did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, but more than a prophet. This is the one who is written. See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What he, Jesus just said is, John was the greatest prophet of all. And the reason why you went out to the wilderness is because you wanted to hear a word from God. Because John was a man of God. Do you know why folks go to church? 
The reason the people come to Broadway Baptist Church, whether it's a morning, evening worship service, Wednesday night Bible study, Sunday school, anything else goes on here, they want to hear from God. Thus saith the Lord. That's why you're here. You're here because you want to know, God, what, what, do, you, what do you have in store for me? What does Daniel Osmond have to say that speaks to me? What does my Sunday school teacher have to say that can change my life, that can influence and impact me? Our desire is we want God. All those people this morning in that section, you know what they wanted? They wanted a word from God. They might not realize that. They might tell you some other reason. Oh, we're here for our family or we're here because someone invited them. Well, we get invited to stuff all the time. Most families, or a lot of families, just aren't sitting at home and think, we need to go to church. Our family's on church, let's go. God has moved in their life to instruct them, says, Mom, Dad, you need to have your children in church. Or a family member has told them that, or they've heard from someone, or read somewhere, and God has convicted them. God moves people into His house so they can hear a word from the Lord. And tying this in with us, John the Baptist needed to hear a word from Jesus while he was locked up in jail. Because he was isolated. The lame, going back to uh, Acts chapter 3, you know what a sick person wants to hear? They want to hear a word from God. They want to hear, brother, your only hope is the Lord. No matter what the doctors say, no matter how bad the disease is, it's Jesus. The name of Jesus is where we are healed. That is, our, that is our foundation for our church and our life. Anything else, anything else is something else. Jesus just kept pounding the people. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? Because you didn't go there to see a man dressed in fine clothes. and You didn't go out there to look at the bushes. You went to go hear from a prophet from the Lord, who a man of God who had a message from God. Pull out your bulletin, sir. Hopefully you have it here. What do we learn from this miracle? Three things. We're going <clears> to <throat> wrap this up and have our business meeting here. Here they are. Three things we're going to learn from this miracle. Do you know when Peter preached, Peter and John spoke to this and healed this one man. Do you know the chapter before? They preached to 3,000 people. They went from 3,000 to one. That was their message. Do you know whether... You're speaking to thousands of people or you're speaking to one person. Do you know the message does not change? Jesus loves every single one, including the lame man who's laying there. Just has no hope. Look here. What do we see from this miracle? The message is more important than the miracle. There it is. Miracles are great, and you, you will draw a crowd with a miracle. But the miracle wasn't the, wasn't the point of what Jesus was doing. We guard our message here at this church. A pulpit, a Sunday school class is sacred. It's, it's easy to get, to get wayward, especially in a culture such as ours where folks who believe the Bible, who hold fast to the gospel, are mocked. If you speak and preach on certain issues of Scripture, 
there will be people who criticize you. They will come after you. It's a fact. And our message is rooted in these 66 Bibles. It will become less and less popular. But the great thing is, God is working. Sherry and I have some friends who are on a mission trip right now in Uganda that live in Newton, Georgia. They baptize. This is, this is no joke because she was looking and showing me the video on Facebook this morning. 66 people at their church. They had a baptism very similar to ours, a little more built into the ground. They had 66 people on a visit video just going through, and it was like a two-hour baptism. We didn't watch it all. It wasn't all two hours, but they is a mass turning in Africa to the Lord. The folks were, were turning. Why? Because it's the message. The message of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, folks are healed. Not only that, Christ gave the faith and worked the miracle. It is by faith that we are healed. Jesus Christ gives us faith. It says here in this sermon, back in Acts chapter 3, it said that in verse 16, by faith in his name, we believe in the name of Jesus. Therefore, the name of Jesus performed the miracle. And not only that, Peter and John valued people over possessions. They didn't have any silver or gold. They had nothing. But what they did have is they had a love for a one man who was standing there asking for something, and he gave them Jesus. So how I want to conclude today is at the bottom of your little handout, look at the question here, the ask. Who are the lame today at the temple gates? Who are the lame today at the temple gates? So the temple gates for us might not be necessarily the church because the temple gates were kind of a very common area. The temple gates would be the summit. It would be Walmart, Fayette Mall. It's just where you see a lot of people. It's school or the lunchroom. It's just where you see all sorts of folks, all variety of folks. Who would be the lame? Typically, Here in our nation, we don't have people who are crippled laying around. Do you know when we went to China in 2014 and adopted Esther, what they do is her, and they they still have, we don't have orphanages in the U.S. We we have foster care system, and that's better than orphanages. Orphanages are pitiful. There were 750 children. Her uh, orphanage is in Dongguang, China, in southern China, massive city. And what happened is they put you in pods. And whatever your disability is, you get stuck in that pod of basically about 16 to 20 children. And she, Esther was born with club feet and her uh, hips were detached. So she was in the lame pod. Basically, it was just all, none of the children there walked. And what happened, these all children her age, she was almost two or about two years old. They were crawling around. They couldn't use their legs and they're crawling around on their, on their arms. It was pitiful. And all these diseases were, or these, um, not diseases, but all these ailments were healable through a surgery, but China's not going to do that. Here in the U.S., they would through the foster care system, which is good. Medicaid pays for it. But over there, they don't provide any care. It's just they keep the children alive and hope they get adopted. Well, we don't really have that here. We don't have a lame pod where you just have people crawling around on their arms here in, here in America. Hopefully, we don't have that 
So then we say, okay, if we don't have that here in our city, in our country, in our state, what do we have? Who would be the lame? Who would be people who just they're just they're just there? They don't really have a place. They can't get a job. They can't really function. And I wrote down three. Like, how do people who thought fall through the cracks? You know, in our criminal justice system, some people are habitually in jail and in prison. They get out, and the criminal justice reform doesn't work. They come out for a few more months and get locked back up. And they're just stuck in a cycle. They can never get out of it. They're constantly in jail over and over and over. Eventually, a few times, they'll get thrown in prison a few years. And they get out. And their whole life, is lived this way. In many ways, prisoners are that way. They just don't, they're stuck in this system. Addiction, the same problem. We all know folks who struggle with addiction, whether it's alcohol addiction or drug addiction. It's out of control. Opioid is a crisis here, especially in Kentucky. When I was at the Zip line place yesterday. One of the people I went and ate at that uh, I forgot the pizza place, Miguel's Pizza, and and the the wait the waiter there was telling me this just a crisis out of control. They of the people who go in the mountains and and, and do drugs or or growing drugs or raising whatever they're doing, however they're getting it. But that whole region of that area of the forest, where this rural areas of Kentucky is a place where drugs are thriving. And it's an addiction issue. And not only that, mental issues. Mental issues are folks where maybe they're not going to get hired at a job somewhere. They just struggle. And all of these things, these would be what we would call the lame. And I want you to know, Broadway Baptist, it's easy to overlook these folks. You can walk right by them. Peter and John saw this man. They saw this guy is hurting. I want to give you an example. I one time had a person uh, tell me who was in a wheelchair. I asked him. I said, what's, what's the most frustrating thing being in a wheelchair? And the guy said, it was a grown man. He had gotten injured. He says, "People, I'm invisible. People don't see me. You know, the best thing you can do when you see somebody in a wheelchair is stoop down and shake their hand and get on eye contact and acknowledge them there. Talk to them. That is the best thing to do. That is what Peter and John did. They acknowledged. They acknowledged this man. Listen, you might not be able to heal the person and bring them out of the wheelchair, but the least you can do is get on their level and say hello. And, and shake their hand and just let them know they are human, they are there. You might not have silver or gold to give them, or they might not even be begging. But that is what it means to touch people today. The lame, it's all around us. Our responsibility, we carry the name of Jesus with us. And we want to be able to let folks know, I might not be able to heal you, but I know the person who can. God, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you that this passage tells us that, Lord, there's, there's folks all around us who've fallen through the cracks. This lame man who couldn't walk, he was one of them. And I pray that we will be folks, that we see people. That as they just led 3,000, Peter and John led 3,000 people to the Lord. And now they're leading one. 
And he got up and he praised you. Lord, help us see all the folks around us. And help us not just pass them by. Even if we just give them a kind smile and a handshake, it means the world. Don't let folks be invisible to us. Don't let fail to be scared of folks who've been in prison or who have mental issues or who have addiction problems or who are crippled. Lord, these are folks you died on a cross for. They might be different, but Lord, you love them, and therefore we are to love them. God, I thank you for your word. I pray you seal this on our hearts and see that you are working in our lives, in our church's life. And we give you this invitation we're going to have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We close every service with the invitation. I'll invite everybody to stand. I'll be standing down front. If you want to make a decision.